0: We, 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 uh, we want to come to the real business of why we're here, and that is to worship God. So let's bow together in prayer. Let's pray and seek the Lord's face together. Father, thank you for bringing us here this morning, and thank you for the, the spirit of God that remains among us and upon us, and for the rich blessing of knowing your sins forgiven and peace with God, and the fellowship we have with one another. We're so glad today, Lord, to be here, to have a desire to be here. And so, God, we just give this hour of worship over to you. We ask, Lord, that your presence will be a felt reality. Lord, that not one person will leave here today saying, I haven't heard from God. Lord, we want to see the church of God enriched. We want to see them inflamed. Lord, we want to see them commissioned. Lord, we want to see them on fire for God. So, Lord, we look to you, Father. We look to you. This is not, this is not something that I can do. Lord, this is only something that the Holy Spirit can do in cooperation with every heart and in cooperation with every life. And so, Father, we take our hearts to you right now. We lift them up to you and say, Lord, have my heart this morning. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Our first song that we're going to sing uh, this morning is, uh, what is it? All glory be to Christ. We'll all stand. Says he will stand at the last day. And I want to tell you reprobates might try to dismiss him, but he will stand at the last day. So why would you not turn your eyes upon him? The next song is Turn Your Eyes Upon Jesus. Yet Not I, Yet Not I, let's sing that song, Yet Not I. and you may be seated. Uh, Emma Dickey is going to come and read from uh, Psalm number 19, verse 7 to 14. And so Emma, um, if you don't mind the band, stay where you are. Emma, you please come along. Then after that, we're going to have a children's song, but Emma's going to read just now. Thank you very much, Emma. Stand this.
1: from psalm 19 and it's verse 7 to 14 and it says the instructions of the lord are perfect reviving the soul the decrees of the lord are trustworthy making wise the simple the commandments of the lord are right bringing joy to the heart the commands of the lord are clear giving insight for living reverence for the lord is pure lasting forever the laws of the lord are true each one is fair." They are more desirable than gold, even the finest gold. They are sweeter than honey, even honey dripping from the comb. They are a warning to your servant a great reward for those who obey them. How can I know all the sins lurking in my heart? Cleanse me from these hidden faults. Keep your servant from deliberate from deliberate sins. Don't let them control me. Then I will be free of guilt and innocent of great sin. May the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be pleasing to you, O Lord, my rock and my redeemer. Amen. Thank you,
0: Emma. All right, we're going to have the boys and girls, please, if you would come along and give me a wee bit of a help, anybody, and if you're new, if you want to come along and help us, if you want to just watch and see what we do, that's fine, but all boys and girls from right around the place, I was going to say the joint, but that wouldn't be nice. Uh, uh, every, if, you, if you can, please come along here and we're going to sing a lot of songs. We're going to sing deep and wide, deep and wide. And if you don't know the. Come on ahead, young man, if you want to come on ahead. If you don't want that, so alright. You can, you can we're going to go to Sunday school after this. So deep and wide, deep and wide, there's a fountain flowing deep and wide, alright? So you all know the actions, don't you? Good job. Alright, let's see how we get on. Thank you very much. To have one more verse. We're gonna have. A, I remember doing one for fat and thin, and there's a few people went out and never come back again, so we're not not here, not, not here, but somewhere else. I, I can remember I was doing uh, in 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 another church, and I'll see which one. Uh, and I said, You know, this is the best time to get a wee bit of exercise. I said, Some of you boys look like, like as if you need a wee bit of exercise, and there was a family who took the hump with, with me for two months. And they, uh, they, they ambushed me one time, and they gave me a lesson. Down, why was I talking to them? I wasn't talking to them. <laughs> all right. So this verse is we're going to be very politically correct for young, for old. All right. So whenever you, if you're pointing to anybody, point to the young in the place. All right. And then you point to the old. And if anybody points to me when they're pointing to the old, I tell you. All right. For young and for old, right? You'll have no words. All right. For young. That was a bad, so we had to give that another rip, bit of a rip, all right? For young, for old, let's keep the tempo going for young and for old, pointing to me when they're pointing to young, and point down there for the old, all right? And uh, All right, for young and for old, right? Give us a wee bit of a beat, all right? Yeah. very much all right we'll have the sunday school please sunday school teachers and the rest of the children anybody wants to go to sunday school you go out right through this door right now thank you so much and everybody else oh they come from all around the place thank you and you go to uh sunday school and children's church or wherever that is uh just at this juncture uh in in the service when we're settling down just to let you know there is a funeral in the church here tomorrow uh matilda or she wouldn't like to be called matilda may anderson who was a uh, a uh, fervent member and attender of the church here passed away, and so her funeral is here tomorrow at one o'clock, we value prayer for that. So if you know her, uh, the, uh, she has resided in Dungannon, well, Coal Island, in a care home for the last 18 months, and uh, so uh, the funeral is coming up to here at one o'clock, just to remind you of that. Then, just shortly now, we're going to have communion. And uh, if you know and love the Lord, uh, and you're walking in fellowship with him, everybody is invited and you're very welcome to share and join with us. If you still don't know the Lord and the emblems come your way, just let them pass by. Nobody's going to pass you. You're not going to put your name down in the wee black book. That reminds me of Lauren when I was in Lauren. And anybody I quoted, this lady, she said she was God's policeman, woman. And, and, <laughs> uh, and if I quoted from any preacher that she didn't agree with, I got your name down in that wee black book again. So we're not going to put your name in any wee black book. All right? If you just, uh, if you don't know the Lord as yet, it would be a wonderful thing if you did come to know him, today, that you just, uh, if you don't know him, just let the emblems pass by. There will be a crash going on during the service, and it's up the stairs, and Alana, you're involved, you're leading that, and there's folks, commission, and help. I think there are eight names we have now of people who want to be involved in doing the crash. All right, we're going to sing one more song, we'll get you all to stand and sing together. We're we'll going Southern Gospel now, you're going to... You <laughs> it is finished, all right? And I think we'll trust we'll sing it better than, than your man, Bill, Bill Gator, will we? Hands up if you know know this song. It is finished. The battle is over. It is finished. There'll be no more war. That's a good one. All right, we'll stand and sing. Thank you. It's, it's Southern Gospel, mind you, but it'll do well. Thank you. Man. remaining standing. In Luke chapter 23 and verse 33, it says, when they were come to the place called Calvary, there they crucified him. I've been meditating all week, preparing messages around that one little phrase, the place, the place. In the valance of eternity, before the earth was ever created, God knew the place. God had designed and designated the place, chose the place. It was not known, get this, it was not known by men until he was crucified. And then when he was crucified, it became the best known place in all the world. The place called Calvary. Planned by God. Way back before man was ever even created, God in full cooperation with his son and the spirit, the Trinity were involved. I don't like Mel Gibson's film because he is the devil flogging Jesus and that gives the devil credit for my salvation. Well, I take that back again. The devil had nothing to do with my salvation.
2: Amen.
0: He had nothing to do with it. He deliberately, willingly, led as a lamb to the slaughter as a sheep before her shearers is dumb. So he opened not his mouth. Because way back in eternity, he knew the place. And he could have called 10,000 angels to destroy the world. He could have turned those spikes into thunderbolts. He could have called on one angel, and it only took one angel to bring death upon all of Egypt. He could have called in the forces of heaven. But he was obeying his father. Because away way back in the the beginning, which never began, he knew that that was the place where our sins would be forgiven. Where we would find peace with God. Where we would find the chains of Satan and sin broken. The curse of death overcome. And we know victory in Jesus. It is finished. It is finished. Sad thing today is, the whole world doesn't know has not been to Calvary I'm thankful I've been there and that's why we come here today to visit Calvary one more time say thank you Lord for dying for me thank you Lord for giving your life that I might be saved and know freedom and deliverance through your name. Just going to have uh, a prayer just now, and we're going to also have an offering after we pray. And I always say, and I like to say this, if you haven't come prepared, that is not a problem, and we, you're not here. We're not here to take your money, but uh, if you haven't come prepared, don't worry about it. But let's pray together. Father, we're so thankful, Lord, to be here today to sense your presence amongst us. Lord, to know the, the beat uh, of the heart of God, in this gathering, there's a thankfulness in this congregation today. There's a, a worshipful spirit amongst us, Lord. We're so glad to be here, Lord. We're, and, Lord, we don't want anything that happens from this moment. Lord, det- detract from that. Lord, so we pray for the reading and the preaching of your word. Lord, hide me behind the cross. May none be seen, save Jesus only. Lord, may no man be on a pedestal in this place. But may Christ be all in all. We ask, Lord, that you will come to every person seated. Lord, we we don't want to be playing church. Lord, we want to be in the church. We want to be part of his church. Lord, we want to be active and involved. We want to know that leading of the power of of the Spirit of God. And so, Father, we give the rest of these moments into your hands. Lord, remember those, Lord, who are grappling with disease or sickness. Those who are worried about results, those who have been out of our fellowship for a wee while because of sickness, and Lord, we want to lift them up before you, and we pray, we pray, Lord, you'll bless them. Lord, we ask, oh God, that each one may know your touch upon them today, and God, we pray that you'll raise them up again to a good measure of health and strength. Pray for the Anderson family, Lord, who have lost this loved one, Lord, and as we come to church tomorrow to celebrate her life, Lord, we would long that you would be one of her number. God, we pray that uh, any that are yet not saved would come to a personal faith in Jesus Christ. Lord, we ask too for uh, the uh, uh, the children's work just now. Lord, thank you for 44 young people out at the skating and bowling last night with the Youth Club and Youth Fellowship. Lord, thank you for the many. Thank you for Aaron and Kathy and Jack and Catherine. Lord, thank you for uh, just keeping them safe and bringing them back safely to the. Lord, we pray that they, those young people, Lord, we want to invest in their lives, Father. We want to see them growing up and maturing in the things of God. We want them, Lord, not to be skirting along the the surface. Lord, we want them to go deeper and deeper with you. Lord, we pray that uh, you'll surround our young people. Impress them, Lord, by the Spirit of God, we pray. Lord, many of us here have loved ones out of Christ. Many of us have loved ones, Lord, who could be here, should be here, but aren't here. And Lord, we would love that they would have the same appetite that we have. We long that they would have the same thirst that we have. We long that they have the same love for Jesus, the same joy in the Holy Ghost that we have. We would long, Lord, that they would know the power of God in, in a way, Lord, that has yet evaded them and escaped them. God in heaven, we ask that you would open up the windows of heaven today and, sh- and shower down upon us, Lord, by your mighty power. Lord, help us not to restrict him or restrain him. But O oh God, we pray that he will have freedom and free course. Lord, we ask too you as we bring this offering and tithe to you, Lord, take it up and use it for your honour and glory. In Christ's name, amen. Our next song, we're going to stand and sing Christ Our Hope. Seated. I'm going to turn to one verse in John chapter 20 and verse 24. It's a very solemn verse and a very sobering verse in the midst of what was the church receiving orders. And here's what it says in John chapter 20, verse 24. Now, Thomas, one of the twelve, Called the twin, was not with them when Jesus came. Now, Thomas, you keep your Bible open now, when we, we'll be going back and forward in that chapter. Now, Thomas, one of the twelve, called the twin, was not with them when Jesus came. An evangelist was preaching on the street corner as was his custom. A guy came along who was an unbeliever. In fact, he was identified as a heathen. And the evangelist spoke with him for some time and then tried to encourage him to take a Bible and read it. Now, he wasn't handing out cheap Bibles. He was handing out very good Bibles. Nice, fine pages. Pages that you would know were expensive. The, The heathen, the unbeliever, said, Um, if you give me that Bible, I'm going to use those pages as roll-ups and smoke them. Well, the evangelist said to him, and I believe this was wisdom, the evangelist said to him, I'll give you the Bible on that condition, on a a further condition, that before you smoke each page, he says, you'll read that page. Fifteen years later, as the evangelist was attending a a conference for soul winners, he saw across the aisle this man that he'd met 15 years previous. And being so excited, he ran over to him and he said, aren't you the man that told me you were going to smoke the Bible? He said, what happened? Well, he said, I went to Matthew and I read the pages and he said, and I smoked every page of Matthew. And then he said, when I got to Mark, he said, I rolled up my cigarettes after reading each page and he said, and I smoked Mark as well. He says, I went to Luke, he said, and I rolled up every page of Luke after having read that page and he says, and I smoked him. But he says, when I got to John, he smoked me. He smoked me. You see, folks, John is an unusual writer. He has an unusual approach to his writings. You'll find that John gives us a key at some particular stage in all of his writings. In John chapter in John's Gospel, he gives us the key at the end of his writings. In the midst of his epistles, in 1 John 5, he gives us the key to his epistles. And in the book of the Revelation, we find it in Revelation chapter 1, and he says, write these things about the past, about the present, and about the future. In John's gospel, he leaves the key at the back door. In John chapter 20 and verse 31, he says, these things are written that you may know. That's written after we read these verses that if the things that Jesus had done had been written, the world could not contain the things that should be written. In his gospel, he wants us to believe that's his purpose. He wants us to believe that Jesus is God. In John's epistle, he wants us to know Jesus. And in the revelation, he wants us to understand the things that are, the things that will be, and the things that are to come. Let me give you a little flavor as he works on his theses about making people believe. He paints different profiles of the Lord Jesus And you'll find a significant subject in every chapter. In chapter 1 and verse 1, in the beginning was the Word. The Word was with God and the Word was God. He's telling us about the pre-existent, co-existent, and self-existent Savior. Who has now come to live amongst men. And so he's sovereign in chapter 1. I'll not take so much time, but I'll give you a brief outline of the various chapters so that you can get a grip of what John is intending to do. In chapter two, he's the social God. Oh, yes, I said a social God. He went to the, Cana, the wedding in Cana of Galilee. But not only did he attend the religious ceremony, he also attended the time afterwards. He went to... Their supper as well, the reception. In chapter 3, he's a school teacher. These are all S's, by the way, if you're looking for anything by, uh, by way of alliteration. He's sovereign, he's social, he's a school teacher. He takes night class with Nicodemus and teaches him the truth about being born again of God's Spirit. In chapter 4, he's a sinner's friend. I love chapter 4. There he comes to a woman at the well, just near Sychar. He's all alone, and he's sitting on the well. And, well, the Bible says and would indicate that he's there because he knew this woman from Samaria was coming. But where were the disciples? Well, they were to go in and get bread in Sychar, but none of them could agree, so they all went. Whenever they came back, they brought nobody with them but whenever Jesus spoke about him being the fountain of life, she went and told the people and said, Come, hear a man that told me all that I ever did. Is this not the Christ? My dear friend, he's the sinner's friend. In chapter 5, he's the specialist. He meets a man who's laying on a bed. And he tells him to get up and he says, Put the bed on your head and walk. He's the specialist. In chapter 6, he's a supplier. He gets a fish and he draws it out of, the, out of the river and he gives them the ability to pay their taxes. In chapter 7, he's a, he's a source of life. In that chapter, you'll find him talking about the, waters of, the living waters of life. In chapter 8, he's the solicitor. You remember the woman that was caught in adultery? I wouldn't mind having Jesus defending me. In chapter eight, chapter nine, he's the shining one because he gives sight to the blind and he says, I am the light of the world. In chapter 10, he's the shepherd. In chapter 11, he opens the sepulcher of Lazarus. In chapter 12, he's the savior. And in, and, and in chapter 13, he said, he is a servant. He washes the disciples' feet. So you can see as it goes on and on, you can see that John is actually tra- seeking To to explain to us and to expound to us that Jesus is God, and He's using every tactic under heaven to impress upon us and to persuade us that He is the only one that can deliver us from from all our sins. He went to great lengths to tell us about the humanity and the deity of Christ. In His humanity, He walks through doors, in His divinity, He is the door. In his humanity, he eats bread. In his divinity, he is the bread. In his humanity, he drinks water. In his divinity, he is the water of life. Last week, we looked at for some time in that little verse in Exodus 3 and 14, where Jesus, or Exodus 6, I think it is, where, Jesus, where Moses is dealing with the Lord, and he says, "'Who will I say send me?' And God said, "'I am.'" Well when Moses said, But listen, there are that many names he says and he says, I'd be speaking to people in Northern Ireland and you know they're pretty thick. I mean, they don't get the truth very easily, he says, What name will I tell them? He says, Just say I am. Look at the many names, El Yon, El Shaddai, El Nisai, and Jehovah Rapha, and all those names. He says, which name will I say? Well, whenever John comes, John quotes several different instances where Jesus said, I am the bread of life. I am the light of the world. I am the true vine. I am the good shepherd. And so John takes the question that Moses asked and he tells us this is who he is. God come in the flesh. I haven't time to try and explain to you and expound to you all of those things, but you take those and look at, look at them for yourself. But not only does he draw from these specific principles of who Jesus is in each chapter, because John is picking out, the fact, in fact they say that if you take the various days that John has taken out of the life of the Lord Jesus, it only covers two weeks of the life of the Lord Jesus. He could have written a lot more. But then he calls others to the witness stand to prove that Jesus is God. He brings John the Baptist, behold the Lamb of God who taketh away the sin of the world. He brings in Martha, he brings in Mary Magdalene, he brings in Peter, he brings in Nicodemus, he brings in Nathaniel, he even brings in Jesus himself. And remember I said he gives the key at the very end of the chapter, that is the book. Now he brings in Thomas. Thomas, one of the 12. Called of the disciples, eyewitness to the the, the miracles that Jesus did. And in fact, Thomas, who himself was a miracle worker, Remember when he sent out the two, by two, and they came back. Lord, we saw the dead raised. We saw the sick healed. Lord, we saw wonderful things. He said, don't rejoice in what you see. He says, rejoice in that your name was written in the Lamb's book of life. But Thomas hasn't yet encountered the resurrected Christ. And that day that Jesus came, Thomas missed church. We're living in a day when we approach church casually. I'll not bother going today. It's a wee bit cold outside. I've got a wee few sniffles and I have a big day tomorrow, so I'm about to get my rest today. And soak us on. I wonder, have we ever fully appreciated the significance and importance of coming together as a band of God's people? Now, I'm going to tell you, I know full well that the building is not the church. The people are. But listen to what Jesus said, I will build my church And the gates of hell. So he builds people together. In fact, you read in Psalms in a number of places where he plants people and he places people in various surroundings so that they may grow and mature and deepen in the things of God. He missed church. What did he miss? Well, what was the first thing that Jesus said when he came back into, into the building? He says, peace be on to you. Isn't it true that our world's living on tablets and medicines? I'm not saying that, uh, that's, uh, that there's anything wrong with medicines and tablets, and don't get me wrong. But do you know that stress is one of the biggest killers? Stress causes the hardening of your arteries. The hardening of your arteries speeds over your blood. That causes temperatures and a host of other things. And isn't it interesting that over and over again we read in God's word where God says, peace I leave with you. My peace I give on to you. He missed peace. The world is living on its nerves, especially in this day. And God speaks to us, be at peace. I'm in control. I'm here. He missed peace. I don't want to spend too long on this. He missed proof. Well, the first thing that he did whenever he came into the room, you'll read it in the passage in John chapter 20, he, he showed them there, his hands on his side. It's me. I'm alive. I was dead, but I'm alive and I'm in the world. I'm in the midst of you. He missed proof, he missed pleasure. You'll notice after this encounter with Jesus that they left rejoicing. That word rejoicing is a great word, Cairo. It means rejoice. Do you want to get up on your feet and try this? I'm going to get you up on your feet and you're going to try it. Up you get, up you get, come on. You want your lazy lumps? (laughs) Right, so it's rejoice, 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 rejoice. They were jumping for joy. Will you say that again? That's the word Paul says when he was in prison. He says, rejoice. He says, rejoice, rejoice, rejoice. He's here. He's here. He's alive. What do we miss? Boy, I tell you that if there's anything we need today, is bucket loads of joy. We're so filled with negativity, and, the, and this is going to happen. And that's going to happen. There's going to be snow on Sunday afternoon, my dear friend. There's going to be, a, going to be a, an absolute blizzard. I tell you what, you ever see? You ever read the news that comes into your, into your, uh, into your Google inbox or whatever it is, and they say we're, uh, England's in for the beast from the east, and we're going to be foundered. Well, I'm sweating. And if it's not that then we're in the trouble in the Middle East and we're gonna be we're gonna be at war with Yemens and we're gonna be the hootsy Tootsie, whatever they are, truthsi I don't know what they are. And we're, we're we're going to go to war with Hamas, and we're going to go to war with Israel, and we're going to be we're going to be obliterated by 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 uh, what do you call that by in Russia? And we're going to be and the wee boy in the north has got his finger on the button. What do you call that man in North Korea? And and we're terrified, and we're hardly free. We're fearful to go out of the out of the door. My dear, my dear friend, we need a wee bucket a bucket full of joy. He missed pleasure. I know people and they run around with a long face thinking that we shouldn't enjoy ourselves. There's a woman used to scowl me in the Abbot's Cross. She says, You have them lapping about there and clapping their hands when they should be sitting there with their arms folded, just waiting on God to come. I says, Well, if God came, my dear friend, you wouldn't be sitting there with your arms folded. You'd be on your face somewhere. Yeah. I told her that. You think I wouldn't? I'm liable to do it. He missed purpose. The Lord, you see, my dear friend, you ever see these boys playing t- uh, doubles in tennis? And then they're, they're playing these boys in front of them, and the next thing then you see them going to do this here, and I want to have a good, have a good bad breath or something. Yeah, you know what? They don't want anybody to hear. They don't want other, they think that other players can lip read. And so they talk to each other. They're given where well, I'm going to serve, and how I'm going to serve, and how, what, why we're going to serve, and who's going to do what. Jesus came, and it's not too long after we see them in Pentecost. He came to give orders. He missed purpose. Oh, I love this next one. He missed power. When Jesus came among them, he breathed on them. The last time I read of that was in Genesis. I'm actually preparing a message on that as well. In Genesis where he says, And God breathed into man, and man became what? Oh, this is the breath of revival. Jesus knew they'd been discouraged and disheartened. He knew that they'd been defeated. He knew that the reason that they're in that room is they're terrified of what's going to happen next. He knows they're anxious and he knows they're stressed out and they're probably weary from worrying because I want to tell you, worrying drains your resources far more than working. And he breathed on them. My dear friend, the Bible says our adversary, the devil, as a roaring lion, walks about seeking whom he may devour. And we need to guard against a casual approach to church. God has designed the church. We'll see that in a wee moment. God has designed that we come and inspire and enlist and inspire and encourage one another. And right, we, you get, I, get, I get from you. I got from you. This, I loved this morning's worship. Amen. I really did. Because in his presence there's fullness of joy and at his right hand there are pleasures forevermore. But my dear friend, it's not only about me, it's about the body. Yeah. Yeah. It's about the body of Christ. Don't you get it? We need each other. We need each other. I honestly, I've come across so many people. They said, I don't go to church. I do church on my own. Well, I says, my dear friend, then you are absolutely out of sync with God because God says, forsake not the assembling of yourselves together as the manner of some is. I would do church every week every day to be honest with you. I know I need it because I'm a leaky vessel in Matthew chapter four verse one I'm going to try and save a bit of time here in Matthew chapter four and verse one. Jesus was following the spirit in Luke chapter 4 verse 18, he was filled with the Spirit. And in Mark chapter 1, I think it is, and verse 12, he was forced with the Spirit. And if Jesus needed the Spirit, how much more do we not need him? He missed power. The Greek word for church is ecclesia. Ecclesia has two words, ex and, 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 uh, and parleo. Ex means called out. It means we have exited out of the old world. It means we're ex-liars. We're ex-thieves. We're ex-cheats. We're ex- this. In fact, here's what Paul said in, in 1 Corinthians 6 verse 11: "Do not be deceived, neither the sexually immoral, nor adulterers nor adulter, adulter, idolaters, nor men who practice homosexuality, nor thieves, nor the greedy, nor drunkards, nor revellers nor swindlers, will inherit the kingdom of God. And such were some of you, but you were washed, you were sanctified. Some people are not too ex yet. We need to do a wee bit more axing. The second part is Parleo called into something. Called into the life and the fellowship and the blessing of the body of Christ. He missed power. So why do we go to church then? Why gather together? In the next 15 minutes, I'm going to try and give you the bare bones of why we go to church. We go to worship. God has designed us that way interesting that verse. I'm not going to take time to go because I'll only be stealing my thunder for another one. But whenever God came to Adam and Eve, he consulted with himself. He didn't consult with the ground. He didn't consult with the birds. He didn't consult with the skies. He didn't consult with the sea. He consulted with himself. He said, let us make man in our image. And when you are in the image of God, it doesn't mean you look like him, but it means that you function like God. You have a soul. You have a spirit. You have a body. And all of those three can only be satisfied when we're in the place where where we're called to be, in a place where we worship the King of kings and the Lord of lords. Listen, my dear friends, he desires our worship. He desires it. He longs that we would have a worshipful heart. That's why I said there's a worshipful spirit in this gathering today, because God is pleased. It's like a sweet-smelling odor that ascends into the nostrils of God. Our worship and praise of him. He desires our worship. He deserves our worship. There we were on the scrap heap of humanity when sin and the devil had done his worst. Whenever we were infiltrated and infected and perverted with the sins and the stinking things of this world, God came and he lifted us out of the mire. And as the psalmist said in Psalm 40 and verse two, he lifted me out of the mirey clay. He set my feet upon the rock and he established my going. My dear friend, he deserves our worship. He demands our worship. They that worship him must worship him. That's an interesting word, must. It gives you no get out clause. 2 Samuel 23 and verse 3, he says, He who rules over men must be just. In Luke 2 49, did you not know that I must be about my father's house? In Matthew chapter 16, verse 21, Jesus began to show his disciples that he must go to Jerusalem. In Luke 19 and 5, Luke, Zacchaeus said, Today I must stay at your house. John chapter 9, verse 4, I must work the works of him who sent me. In Hebrews chapter 11, verse 6, he who comes to God must believe that he is. Which one of those would you drop? God demands our worship. You ever wonder why some people worship God differently than others? It all depends on our estimation of what he's done for us. If you've been in this as far down in sin as I've been, where you've been the biggest blagger that ever was born, as I was, You'll know what you've been brought from. And to you he's worthy. You know that word worship? It's worth ship. Worship. Worship. What's he worth to you? What's he worth to you? You ever see someone and they're really enjoying them? I, I like some folk here; they get really exuberant. Uh, listen, I'm coming from a stiff upper lip Presbyterian background, and even I've known a wee bit of liberty. I haven't exactly, got have no chandeliers here and I don't think there's any plans to put them any, any up. And I don't, I don't think, I don't believe in all this kind of like, this showmanship. But I want to tell you, there are times, there are times in my life when I want to just lift my hands and praise God and let him have all because he alone is worthy because I know what he's done for me. He put a new song, my dear friend. He, 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 he blotted my sins out and he has given me a secure future and I love him today. I went to school with no shoes. Couldn't afford them. Went to school with not a bite in my belly. And the only thing we got was whenever we were coming home, we used to steal turnips from a from neighbor's farm. And we had turnips for dinner, turnips for breakfast, turnips for lunch. Have you ever eaten turnip sandwiches? I often look back over my life and say to myself, God, where would I have been had you not stepped into my life at the age of 26? He's worthy. And just because somebody beside you gets a wee bit excited, maybe they're excited because of what God has done for them. They know the value of salvation. They know the value of having been sinned, forgiven, and peace with God. They know where they were. They know who they were. They know what they were. And they have been saved. They know when they're, He's worthy. He's worthy. He demands our worship. He's worthy. Yet this one now, I'm looking forward to preaching this bit. He he designed, I'm not even into the message yet. He designs our worship. There's a design. God's purpose for our worship is that many shall see and fear and put their trust in the Lord. Very quickly, it's not in my sermon notes, but turn with me to Psalm 23. You're going to get this again anyway, but we'll let you have it now at the moment. Psalm number 23. Here's a wonderful verse. And maybe maybe I have shared it with you before, but if I haven't, if I have, you'll have to put up with it again because this is wonderful. This is wonderful. Psalm 23, verse five. I shared this with a few boys the other day. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. And I used to think, that's all, that, that's, uh, that's, uh, uh, all the dainties out of the, the bakery and out of the butchers and out of uh, the, the, the various suppliers of restaurant food. And I've had another look at it. You prepare a table before me and it's that second line, in the presence of my enemies. Hmm. Why would God invite your enemies to a front row view of, of your having your meal with God? Then we have to think then what is the meal? Now i just throw that out here with you. You ponder it yourself. I wonder what it be the times when we're, when we're, when we're, we're fearful of th- something going on. I wonder, are there, is, there, is there times whenever we're, faith, we're up against it? Is, is it times whenever we're, there's, there's trouble in the home, trouble in the family, trouble to do with my health, trouble to do with my wealth? you prepare a table. Lord, you allow these things into my life and you ask the enemies who are sitting there with knife and fork waiting to devour me. And then they witness how God can sustain me because you anoint my head with oil and my cup overflows. I just throw that out there with you. See how they can praise him in the darkest of days. See how they can lift him up whenever everything's against them. Ah, I've been at many's many's a deathbed. Many's a deathbed. And so many's a saint singing themselves and the way all to glory. Isn't that wonderful? Esther's granny. We were in the faith mission. We're doing a faith mission choir tour, and uh, we got word that Esther's granny was on her deathbed, and I got permission from the choir to go and see her and put it down. And being a greenhorn, I never thought of bringing anything with me, not even a Bible. But I went into her, and I could only think of Psalm twenty-three. And she hadn't said anything. And she hadn't talked to anybody for a couple of days. And I began to read Psalm 23. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. I hadn't got to the next line. And she joined in with me. And then she said, surely, yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. I will fear no evil for you are with me. Your are and your staff. They comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. And I believe at that moment in time, God anointed her head with oil for dying grace. Do you know that your life's precious to God? But do you also know that your worship is precious to God? Whenever David sent out two of his servants to get him water, he didn't send them out, they offered. And he says, I can't drink this. He says, I pour this out in worship of my God. He designs our worship. I'm going to address these young folk. One of the things that has really blessed me this week was was the, the, the consistency of the number of young folk Would anybody agree with me on that? That attended the meeting. Now, young folk, you hear this. How many times did you hear God's people thanking him for your attendance and your presence in the prayer meeting? Over and over again. You see, your presence encouraged the saints. And also we heard others praying for the new folk that have walked in the church, thanking God for these new folk that they've brought to Kulibaki Elam. And over and over again, we heard how God was saying, my dear friend, your presence here today is an encouragement to somebody who maybe prayed for you or prayed with you. Maybe they prayed for your salvation. Maybe they prayed that you would find your way back to God. And I know there's one or two like that in here today. And you're very present. But listen, think about it. If you weren't here... There'd be nothing to thank God for. You need to know the value of your worship. I learned during COVID the value of meeting together without masks. Not them saying anything about people wearing wear masks. But I want to tell you, whenever I was working through all of that in in, in, in Abbott's Cross, I thought it was the most difficult place where seats were empty and people were distant, and then, and then we all had to wear masks and I understand all of that and I said to myself, Lord, I'm getting nothing from this because I can't see the expressions and I'm sure they were struggling to breathe underneath those and I, I've learned of the dynamic of fellowship with God's people. The devil hates the church coming together. You remember that? Have you ever been at the waterfront at some of those concerts that they have and there's thousands of people and it's exhilarating, isn't it? Well, it's the same for God's people here. We go to worship. We go because there's a war on. Ephesians six twelve. I remember one preacher saying some time ago, coming to churches where we rally the troops, we muster the army, we regroup for battle, and the church ought to be a place where, I give this outline to you during the week of prayer, we bury the hatchet. What does that mean? You know we're burying the hatchet, not in each other now. We, we, we learn to forgive. Where we burn in the power of the Holy Ghost, where we brag on Jesus, where we bear one another's burdens, and we build one another up. May God forgive us if we ever let the battle come into the church. Your adversary, you're the devil. He isolates and then he assassinates. And when he isolates you from the fellowship, you start to go cold, callous, critical, because he knows what he's doing. And he'll take someone, just takes someone to, to, to look and uh, somebody blanked me today. So what? Take a picture of it. Put it up in your mirror and you blank them as much as you like at home. The devil looks for the slightest little thing to keep you away from the dynamic of the fellowship. I've often said, and I said to these young folk, you can't raise a live chick on their dead hen church must be alive must know the freedom and the moving of the spirit of God where we work and move in the spirit of God folk this is a war and it's a war in the mind and we need each other and I I remind you that the devil might win a battle but he hasn't won the war we go to church because we're in a war we have to regroup re-engage, re Very quickly, we come to hear the word. How shall they hear without a preacher? My question is if God gives a word and it's designed for you and you're not here. Anything we buy nowadays comes with a manual. You buy a mobile phone, or you buy a car, You'll always get a manual. Because the, the, the writers of that manual say, know that down the road you're going to have a wee bit of bother. And you might be able to get a mechanic or someone who's an engineer of some sort to sort out that phone or that car. And so we have this do-it-yourself manual. And that's what God's Word is. We come for food. We come for our faith. Faith comes by hearing. And hearing by the Word of God. So we come for the word. Third one, we come because it's his will. It's his will. The church belongs to him. I will build my church. The church is built by him. I will build my church. The church was bought by him. Feed the flock of God that was obtained with his own blood. The church is betrothed to him. The Bride of Christ. Christ inhabits the church by his, the, tr- the corporate church by his Holy Spirit. And it may be that he's brooding over here just now. The church is the cradle of the newborn child of God. It's the classroom of the student of God. It's the comforting place of the hurting. It's the consoling place of the mourner. It's the caring place of the lonely. And it's the communion place of the blood-washed. Ten disciples. Now now we get to why the Lord Jesus, or that John has included Thomas to to, uh, enable us to see that Jesus is God. Thomas has said, unless I see his hands and his feet, unless I reach my hand into his side, when Jesus reappears eight days later, a great argument for the first day of the week being the Lord's Day. Disciples met together. Thomas was here. I hear, Thomas, you've been asking questions. Now, the Bible says about the disciples that they told Thomas, but they told him again and again and again. And he said, unless I see those wounds, I will not believe. Thomas's problem was not a moral problem. Thomas's problem was not an intellectual problem. Thomas' problem was a heart problem. Unless I see. And I love it. I don't know how Jesus heard. I don't know who told Jesus. I I don't even suspect anybody had to tell him. But the first man that he sought out was Thomas. And what did Thomas say? Come on with me. My Lord And my God, case proven. Thomas Smith's church. What a tragedy. But God is the God of a second chance. May 2024 be the year when you put God first. In all you think, all you plan, all you do and where you go. Let's bow together in prayer. Our Father, we thank you for these truths that grip our hearts and inflame us to believe God for the great and the much more. Thank you, Lord, for people who made mistakes in the Bible because, Lord, we've been enabled to learn from them. Grant, Lord, that in the days that lay ahead, we'll learn more and more, feel more and more, see more and more of what the Lord has for us. Grant that this word will be sealed up in all our hearts. We ask it in Christ's name. And everybody said, How deep the Father's love for us, how vast beyond all measure, that he should give his only Son. And these are some wonderful truths, that these are valued, I say, by the church, and I trust they're valued by you. But not only valued, but they're also personal to you. How deep the Father's love for us. For His love, is a wretch is now God's treasure. Not wonderful? A wretch is now God's treasure. We might have been wrecked by the world, wrecked by sin, wrecked by the devil, but glory to God, we are now God's treasure. My dear friend, if you haven't come to Christ, why don't you come today? Come to the front. There'll be people here to pray with you. If you want to come back to the Lord, you want to reignite with God, re-engage with Him, reconnect with Him. Come and, 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 and seek his face. There's folk here will pray with you and we will uh, glad. We'll be glad to see you re-engaging with him. Maybe the first time, maybe you don't understand it all. Listen, my dear friend, you don't have to be a theologian to come to Christ. You don't have to, you don't have to know the Bible inside out. Just know your need and God will do the rest. Yeah. Father, we pray separate us in your fear. Yeah. Bring us to our homes in safety. Bring us back today, Lord, this yeah. evening excited, yeah. excited by what yeah. you will do. And for we ask it in Christ's name. And everybody said, Amen. and they shouted Amen. And those rejoicing Glory. Amen, you're getting us.